glad you guys are here. Tell me, if we were called people of the way, how many of you would have come to church here? Nobody? Two. Y'all read the Bible? I like it. So some people read the book of Acts and the rest of y'all would don't. So, it's good. Tell me, if, is anybody, is this your first family dinner you've ever been to? Good. Thank y'all for coming. I appreciate that. Cut the lights off? No moods need to be set. So a couple of just kind of ground rules I'm going to share. Uh, and the things I'm sharing are 90%. The purpose of this meal is to get feedback. We say God speaks to the body through the body. And so I'll give it time for you all to ask questions and give your input. We did this at on Monday. We actually have we got some good input on Monday. We're looking at making some changes to our leadership structure and bringing on a new person. And we got some good feedback, and we've uh, incorporated that into what we're doing. So I want you to know, this is, we take this seriously, and we do listen. And uh, again, I believe that the Lord will speak to us through, the, to, through tonight. Uh, one point, a uh, bit of a rookie mistake, just for future reference, fruit does not go on the dessert table. I thought that we talked about that already at a previous family dinner. It's Kim's fault, it's she, so we may be looking for a new administrator as well. <laughs> she should know better. You don't give kids goldfish on Halloween, and you don't put fruit on the dessert table. Those are two rules that you can keep in mind moving forward. One thing I did notice that I would like for y'all maybe to step up next time, we did not have a good fried chicken selection tonight. Monday, we had, we had six or eight different varieties we only had, I think, two tonight, so that was a little disappointing. But the, re- the crock pot dishes looked pretty strong, and so y'all did come through on that. Next time, I'd also like to see a little of this. If you don't have it up? Oh, you're terrible. You're awesome. She's awesome. Have y'all ever heard of pear salad? That's what I want to see. Y'all, who, do, who knows what pear salad is? Everybody who was in Georgia, in Georgia and Alabama. It's canned pears, like the halves, of, with mayonnaise, shredded cheese, and a cherry on top. It's a, it's a, it's a staple at every Baptist church in, in Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> I won't touch it. I just want to see it, and I want to see who eats it. All right. All right, a couple of things. One, uh, leadership structure. So we're recording this. If you make comments or ask questions, I'll repeat them just so we can uh, have this. We're going to tell the guys that came on Monday to listen to this and then anybody um, who wasn't able to make it. So that's, that'll be our procedure. So here is our current leadership structure. It's our, our, what we had at the end of uh, 2015. Two groups of elders. We had administrative elders and we had ministry elders. Administrative elders were focused on the organization, Stonebridge as a business. And then the ministry elders were focused on Stonebridge, kind of the church, the people. And so you can see those major areas of responsibility and how they were divided. Go ahead. And these were the guys who were leading in those areas. And so you may, you may know those guys. They, we elected them 
in June of 2012, I believe, and they were supposed to serve a three-year term, and they all stayed on for three and a half to give me some time to kind of figure out what we were doing next. And so uh, we're going to make some shifts. They're not radical shifts. Our decision-making process will still be the same, but I am leaning towards, pretty heavily, towards making this shift. This comes from Ephesians 4, 7 through 12, especially verses 11 and 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So we're looking to make a couple of changes. Go ahead and pass that out if y'all want. Penny and Christina and David are going to pass out this. It's a bunch of information, and this way you don't have to try to take it all in. Again, this is proposed, but I want y'all to have a feel for what we're talking about. Again, the decision-making process is staying the same, but we're looking at uh, creating a new grid for bringing people onto leadership and trying to integrate these two teams that have been separate up to this point. We show the next one, Kim? So... This is the, some people call this the fivefold ministry. Some people call it APES. It's the first letter of every one of those gifts. And so what I'm wanting us to do is to create a structure that uses this, it's an APES leadership structure is what I want us to create. The reason behind that, the, the type of gifts that start, that tend to be uh, valued when you're starting a church are on the left, apostles and prophets. And over time, the, the gifts that become more and more valued in a church are on the right, shepherds and teachers. And the, it's needed. As more people come, people have needs, and those needs need to be met, and pastors and shepherds do that, and people need to be taught the word, and teachers do those things. It's a, there's nothing wrong with that development. But what tends to happen in churches is the longer they go, the more the apostle and prophet voice get pushed out of leadership, and that leads to stagnation and um, institutionalism really quickly, and I don't want us to fall into that trap at all. God, I don't think, called us to the square to be a good church. He called us to the square to see our community transformed, and an institution is not going to, uh, an institution is not going to help see that happen. So what I'm trying to do is create a leadership structure that intentionally cultivates all five of those voices. I want all five of those people um, in the room together listening to what God is saying to us because I think we need all five to truly discern the will of God and to know how to move forward. So that's the big picture. Again, the decision-making, the, the nuts and bolts of how the church runs will not change. What I am looking to change is the grid for moving people into leadership and then actually adding a couple of components to what this team does. Let's see the next, please, Kim. So I don't want to spend a ton of time walking through these You've got that on your sheet, and when we talk about it on a Sunday morning, I'll give a little more detail. But just so, so this is me. This is how I'm wired apostolically, and you can see it if you look. I think one of the easiest things to do is look at immaturity, and you can see, hey, yep, that's, that sounds like me on a bad day. And that can kind of help you know um, which, what, which way you lean. And I think everybody has a primary gift, and everybody has a secondary gift. So this is a primary one for me. The next one is prophet. Kim and Bo, this is a primary gift uh, for both of them. It's one of the things that makes Bo such a great worship leader. The next one is evangelist. This is uh, David Scott's primary gift, is an evangelist. The next one is shepherd. We actually don't have anyone on our staff with the primary gift of being a shepherd. Several people have it as a secondary gift. 
and then teacher, that's Penny's primary gift. So on our staff, we have you know four out of five represented primarily. We have them all, if you look at the secondary gifts. But when we moved people into leadership in June 2012, this wasn't on my radar screen, and so we didn't use that as a filter. And so we don't necessarily have all of those voices represented among our elders, and I haven't asked them to, to think and process in that way. So moving forward, this is the structure that I'm looking for, a leadership team that's made up of staff, and we don't have a better name for it, a ministry team. The staff really performs a lot of the elder functions that you see in the New Testament, teaching, preaching, uh, taking care of the day-to-day affairs of the church, protecting against uh, false teaching. That type of stuff really falls to our staff, some out of gifting and calling, some just because we have 45 hours a week to do it. And I'm looking to create this ministry team with two primary um, charges. One is to help set the spiritual atmosphere for the church, and the other is to help prepare the men and women of the church for works of service. Again, this idea for me is we want to see our community transformed. That's way bigger than Stonebridge that requires a movement. And I think there's a so some things need to happen in the spiritual atmosphere and we need more people who are equipped uh, to live out their calling. And so that, those are the two major things that I'm adding. Again, our decision-making process is staying the same. So this is in addition to what those elder teams were already doing. Can we see the next, please? So thermostats, help set the spiritual atmosphere. Those are my three bullet points for the type of atmosphere I want at Stonebridge. Revelation, obedience, and faith. So that's discerning the voice of God. So again, that's all of these this leadership team coming together, all five of those voices, spending time in worship and prayer, saying, God, what are you saying to us, and what does it look like for us to be faithful? So what's an example of a decision? We're, we've done five renovations, and we're full again. So what are you saying to us? Is it another renovation? Is it a move? Is it, is it a move off the square? That's the type of decision that I would bring to this group and say, I want us to figure this out. I don't want to figure it out on my own. I don't think I'm equipped to do that. So what do we feel like God is saying to us, not just tactically, but what's he saying to us in terms of our vision and our calling as a church? Do, are we willing to move off the square? Is that, is that the right thing for us in terms of what, who God has called us to be? So those types of questions would be what I would bring to this group. We'd meet maybe two, three, four times a year and, and, and pray. And then out of the, the the collective wisdom and revelation of that group, hopefully we'd be able to figure out what God is saying and how to move forward. Um, atmosphere of family, love, and compassion. This is kind of your classic pastoral care definition. Visits, one-on-one, ongoing encouragement. Uh, as our church has grown, we obviously, we're never going to be able to hire our way into taking care of the 500-plus adults who consider Stonebridge their home church. There, there, there's not a big enough staff to do that. We have small groups in place, and that's a great way of taking care. And we also want some people who say, "It's my thing. This is what I do. I, I go to the hot. We have some our ministry elders now, and they make hospital visits. So we need people who can do that and who love to do that and are gifted as shepherds to do that. And the last is trust, accountability, and responsibility. So that's again, this is what we already have with our administrative elders. Oversight on financial facility and staff decisions. One of the knocks about on an independent church is there's not enough transparency and accountability when it comes to how the business is run, specifically what happens with 
the money, and we don't want to ever create that type of uh, idea here that that stuff's being done either just by me or behind closed doors. And so we want to continue to have an atmosphere of trust and accountability. Next, investors. So this to me is really important, and I can't quite figure out how to make it happen. So there's not a maximum number for me. Let's say there's 12 or 13 people who are selected, and we'll talk about that process in a minute, to be in this APES team then we would take those 12 or 13 and we would divide them into smaller teams. We need a team over administration, and they would help with facilities and finances and budgets and staffing. That would be their area. And we need some folks who say, I'm going to help support the 25 small groups that we have. And so that would be their thing. And we need some people who say, I'm, I love going to the hospital. And so we would need people in that pastoral care area. There may be other areas, I don't know, that we need, but those were three that I thought of. They're key areas of church health that this team, that they're not doing all of the work, but their responsibility is to provide support and encouragement in those areas. Um, I want people who are in a position to say, I recognize what God has given to me, not out of arrogance and not out of pride. I'm just, I know the things that God has given to me, and I'm in a position to say, I want to give those things to other people. And my question is, does there have to be a formal mechanism to make that happen? What are the ways for people who are, don't have a microphone every Sunday to help give away whatever it is that God has given to them? Is the only avenue being a small group leader? Then okay, maybe that's all we have. Does there need to be another formal mechanism or can that just happen organically and relationally? I don't know the answer to that question. Next. Okay, let's pause here. Do you have any input or questions about that, that conceptually? And then we'll talk about the process of how people would move into that role. So no process questions yet, just the conceptual framework of what I'm talking about. Are you kidding me? Is that good? Yes. How many people? I don't know. So that question came up several times on Monday, and the tension is, we need enough people who can help provide support in all of these areas, but I get, are the, does it get too big where it's unwieldy when everyone's together? I think one thing that can uh, help kind of circumvent that is these smaller teams. So like that administrative team would not, it would be a handful, I would think, of people who are looking at the budget and doing facilities, and right now there's four guys that do that. So I would imagine that team would be relatively small, and those other teams would not necessarily be making lots of decisions, so I don't know that it would matter if they got a little bit larger. Other questions about the framework? Yes. Yeah, so what we're doing, we're not, I would say, she asked if we're getting rid of the elder system totally. I wouldn't phrase it quite that radically. Again, our decision-making process will stay the same. Uh, we're relabeling, for lack of a better word, some of the uh, leadership functions. So when I read the New Testament, I see the roles that elders play mostly carried out by our staff. And then I see this five-fold group or this APEST group really in a leadership position. So we would have a leadership team that is made up of staff and non-staff that carry out the leadership of the church. So we won't use elder language, if that's what you're at. So in that sense, yes, we're getting rid of the elder system, because I don't know that that language is incredibly helpful for where, what I'm trying to convey. Mm -hmm. 
So she's asking, do, she said, when you, in those smaller teams, do those have to have all five of those voices? And I don't, I wouldn't care. I would want people to move where they feel the most gifted and called. So that wouldn't necessarily bother me a ton. It's really in that big discerning group, that's where I want all five. Because I feel like if we don't, we're not going to fully, we're not going to get as clear a revelation on what God is saying. So that to me is the room where it's most important to have all five. In those smaller groups, I would rather people go where their passions are. Yes, Richard. That is a process question. No, that's good. Yes, Rhonda. Probably not. Um, other... That, yeah, that was anything else conceptually? Yes, Adam. So the two major things that I'm looking for, why am I changing? Uh, it had nothing to do with any sense of inadequacy with what we currently have. We had, there was some complaints um, among the elders that the division between administration and ministry was artificial and made it difficult for them in terms of some areas of leadership. They didn't like that divide. So I, I hear that. But for me, the major thing is that idea of when it comes to hearing God, I want to know that there's a group of people who are saying, we're doing this together. And I don't think it's out of fear saying I don't want us to become an institution. I don't. But I do think there's wisdom that says we need all five of these gifts in the decision-making, discerning process. So that's really that's my number one. And the number two is... How do we more um, effectively equip people for service? And I see those five gifts as Paul saying, here's what God's given you to do that. So if we can begin to identify who are the people who operate in these gifts at a mature level, then I think it will help us in terms of multiplying. Does that make sense? What else, conceptually? Deacons, we've never we've never really done anything with deacons, and so I, I had I didn't use it. Yeah, that's never been any role that we've used. All right, process. I think this is on your handout too. Maybe on the other side somewhere, or at the bottom. So nominations. I would say men and women are eligible. Why? Because when I look in the New Testament, there are women who are clearly prophets. There are women who are clearly teachers. You can make a case that there are women who are apostles and evangelists and shepherds as well. So I don't see any reason. Again, we're not. It's not elder. It's not elder type. Um, it's not an elder role, and so I don't see any reason why we would keep women um, from moving into leadership. And honestly, we also need them. And I know need can. It's not necessarily a reason to do something, but we have a lot of women who are in leadership in ministry, and they can use support. And it can create some awkward situations if all of our Support is male. So men and women would be eligible. Any person. So Steve Egan can nominate up to three people. Everyone whose name you saw on that first list, they would be eligible to be renominated. You can't nominate your family member. I think it's great that you think that they're 
that, then that's good. But I don't want you to nominate your family member. And nominees have to be at Stonebridge for a year. Uh, we want to make sure that they're committed to the body and that enough people in the body know them. So what are you looking for when you nominate? Those three C's, character, calling, and chemistry. So the easiest way to say character is do they look like Jesus? And we can break that down into lots of specific things, but that would be my overall question. If you're writing somebody's name on a line, when you look at them, you're like, that person has Christ-like character, and that encompasses all of those traits that are running through your mind. Calling, which gift do you see in them? So, And I want to know. That'll be a blank. When you look at them, do you see, yeah, this guy, this girl, she's a teacher. He's a pastor. Write that down. And Because I want to know what you see in that person. And then chemistry, are they easy to work with? They have to be able to work in a team. They can be great in some other areas, but if they're ornery, then don't write their name down. Because that'll, be, that'll make it difficult for everybody. So that's what we're looking for. This, go ahead. The staff will confirm, so you don't have to go ask them if they want to serve. That can be an awkward conversation. If you go up to somebody, it can be difficult for them to say no. We'll ask. So we'll take all these nominations and we'll call these folks and say, you were nominated. Would you be willing to serve? And they'll say yes or no. And then we will have some type of a interview process with them. And then they'll be elected with the majority of our current administrative elders. That's Scott, Les, and Matt, plus me. So two out of three of them plus me, and those people would be elected. And they would serve a three-year term. And a lot of talk on Monday about how we would stagger terms. And we'll work. I'll let those guys work all of that out so we don't have to have complete turnover in three years. And people can be renominated as often as they want to serve. And people say, yep, I think that they're still the right man or woman for the job. So that's overview of the process. We would do it on a couple of Sundays. We would give people a chance to fill out those nomination cards. Then the staff would contact all those people. And then we would run that through the existing group of administrative elders. Does that make sense? Who has questions about the process? So what if you really want to do this and you don't get nominated? So this would, this would be a harsh thing, but I would say a filter for us, a big filter for me is the people in the congregation see you as that type of person with spiritual. I'm not going to look at you because that makes it look like I'm talking down to you. I'm going to look back here. Does, it, does the person, are you seen by the body as someone who they say, yeah, that per, I want that person in leadership? And if that's not the case, then that to me is a pretty big indicator that you probably don't need to be in leadership at this point in time. Maybe that's something for the future, but not right now. That's, that's the main reason that we do nominations through the congregation. That's a huge filter for me. If, if the people in the body don't see you, and that's why I don't let people nominate their family members either. If people in the body don't see you as someone with spiritual authority, with wisdom, someone who they would say, yeah, I'm, I trust that man or that woman, then we'd, I would not want those people in leadership, if that makes sense. What else about the process? Steve. Mm-hmm. No, I'm saying the staff will do that to avoid, those, to avoid somebody having to say no. 
to somebody. It's just easier for us to do that. And if, if you're nominated eight times, you don't have eight different people coming up and asking you, do you want to be nominated? Do you want to be nominated? Do you want to be nominated? We'll just, we'll ask you once. What else on the process? Scott? Continuity. So the existing, so what did you say? So uh, so right now, uh, our ministry elders have all stepped down. At, they serve six extra months. I would love if this all sounds good to everybody, seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, we'll plow ahead. I would love to have this team in place, you know, maybe two months, something like that. They give us enough time to get nominations and talk to everybody and confirm them. So Matt and Les and Scott are our current administrative elders, and they're all staying on through the end of this year. And so that will help with the transition with our finances and the, all of those things that are a bit more uh, technical and detail-oriented. What else? Process. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we we're, we will have to we'll have to stagger the terms, and I would let that group figure out how to stagger them. Somebody gave me a great suggestion on email today that I haven't fully thought through, but so I think there's some oper- some ways of staggering so we don't lose everybody at once, and so we would not lose that administrative group all at once. Absolutely, yeah, yes, Ab. So time commitment, that's a great question. Time commitment, if you were nominated, that would, I would imagine would be something people would ask. Um, it's a great question. I hadn't thought of the answer to it. So the small groups is seasonal. When, a small, when small groups are starting, it's a decent level of time commitment. Those guys right now run our training and the orientation, and then they connect with group leaders during the week, but it's really intense, maybe twice a year. Pastoral care, is it's... Are people sick? So it's much more sporadic. Uh, and then the big group, the administrative group, we meet every other month, something like that, more in the fall when we're preparing the budget. And then the big group, I would want to meet at least twice, no more than four times a year to listen to the Lord. So that's a great question, and we'll try to think through those time commitments before we put it out to everyone so they would know what they're actually saying yes to. Yes, Josh. Not to me. If you see them as someone who you see, yeah, there's wisdom here, there's spiritual maturity here, I'm confident in that person's leadership ability, then I don't have an issue. Out of high school. Other than that, I don't have an issue. What else? Process. Will all nominations automatically put you in? No. No. So we'll, I don't have a number, um, but we won't. Just because someone is nominated doesn't mean that they would be selected for sure. Yes, Aaron. Yeah. Current ministry elders can all be nominated, 
and we'll ask them if they want to continue to serve. But if you saw a name up there and you're like, I, I want that guy still, absolutely. The reason I asked them to step down is because they went beyond their term. And so I was just trying to say, you guys have served longer than you were supposed to. So here's a break. You don't have to continue. What else? Ward? Yep. We've talked about that. So he's asking about in those groups, we don't have anybody connecting with Penny or with David Scott. The last time we did this, we had family elders in the ministry area. And honestly, they, had, they, were, they didn't know what they were supposed to do. It was a very nebulous role. And Penny and David both have their own sets of volunteers. So we haven't fully navigated what is the connection between this team and children and student ministries. But if that's, if that's, we get this group together and they say, hey, this is what we need, then we would add that. We also had an outreach, a couple of guys that were over outreach, and that may be something that we need to add as well. Those other three were ones that, to me, are have-tos. What else? Process. Sorry, yes. How, I don't know. How old are you? Fourteen. I don't know. You can't nominate your family. Um, I would say if you're, yeah, I would say high school. They're in the church. They come on Sunday morning. They're here with us, and it's good. That's fine. What else? Anything? You think that's long? Yeah, I, I was thinking a year, you probably just figured it out, and then you'd be done. Um, so that would give us enough time to, for people to kind of get comfortable with what they're doing and kind of grow into it, provide enough continuity. We don't necessarily, do you think we do things fast? We don't do anything fast, so if you're only here for a year, I think there'd be too much catch-up between one year and the next in terms of decisions that are having to be made. And honestly, it probably takes a decent amount of time for people to feel comfortable in the room together, sharing their opinions and discuss, you know, this is what we feel like the Lord's saying and to be able to push back on those types of things. So three years just seemed right, but it's not, it's not a magic number. If that was a big hindrance to a majority of the people who were nominated, then I would for sure consider changing it. Absolutely. You can step down at any time. And be asked to step down at any time. If you turn out to be more ornery than we thought. What else? Anything else? Okay, y'all think about it. If you have more input or if you're maybe a little shy about speaking, send me an email. Don't talk to me after this because I'll forget. I, I will and I don't. I want to value what you have to say. So send me an email and, uh, and we'll, we'll uh, chew on it. Frank, sorry. Have they recorded this? They have. Yeah, I mean, if you can't go to sleep tonight, you listen to it as often as you want. We'll have it out there for everybody. Uh, I think probably Richard's question earlier is probably the biggest one. How do I know which of these five 
thing somebody is. That's, for some of us, that's new terminology. Those are new, new ideas to think about those things. Uh, we'll have some information that's more detailed than what's on your sheet that helps describe those people. And I will describe them on the, when we're actually in the process of nominating. Um, I'll give a little bit more detail and background. I just didn't want to bog down tonight because you're not, you won't be nominating anyone tonight. And so I wanted to make sure we could get through everything and get you all out of here at 8 o'clock. So that's a great question, and that will be, I'll circle back to it um, on the Sunday mornings that we're nominating. Okay, next. So we're looking at hiring another pastor. We go to the next one. That's the wrong um, PowerPoint, I think. It didn't update. So this is, things changed from Monday to Wednesday because of input that we got. We actually changed the role. Those words aren't right. Keep going. So here's what we're doing while she uh, updates that. So hopefully that lets you know we listen to what people are saying. We changed this associate pastor role. On Monday, we were thinking it would be 25% administrative, 75% focused on assimilation. We heard some feedback. It sounds like you're looking for two different people. Could people hold both of those things in common? So we heard that, and then we had a staff meeting on Tuesday, and Bo said, I think I'm going to throw up. And we said, go to the bathroom. And then he said, no, it's, I feel like the Lord's sitting on my chest. I need to take that administrative role. Those are things that I'm good at. I've got background there. I enjoy knocking out tasks. I think that needs to be my role. And so we've shifted this role to assimilation in small groups. And those things do probably fit together better than administration and assimilation. So what we're looking for, once we get it up there, is an associate pastor. That's okay. It's fine. Um, I can talk them through. So what we're looking for is an associate pastor of assimilation and small groups. Why don't you show that last slide, Kim, because that's still uh, accurate. And that will give people a visual for what we're talking about. Perfect. So we actually have a bit of a process, you probably don't know that, for helping people move in the direction that we want them to go. And so what we're looking for is somebody to take that front half, someone who's responsible for people who come. We have a lot of people come on Sundays. We don't seem, for whatever reason, we don't seem to have an issue getting people in the door. But we do seem to have a bit of a problem, and we've heard this from multiple people, that it's difficult to actually find your way into the family. It's hard to move beyond Sunday to anything more. If, you're, uh, if you already know somebody, it seems to be a little bit easier. If you're someone who's really uh, a self-initiator, uh, it seems to be a little bit easier. But in general, it's not, it's not clear and it's not easy for people to say, I want this to be my community. I don't know how to make it. My community. So we're looking for someone who would be responsible for that front half of the process. Hospitality on Sundays, follow-up with guests, um, overall communication. Right now we do a welcome reception. I don't know if that's the best thing. It's just what we're doing now. And they would take somebody all the way to small groups. They would also provide uh, support for our small group leaders, small group leader training. They'd work with that leadership team, that, that small ministry team of small group. Uh, folks, they would be re- uh, responsible connecting with them. Small group Sunday, which is a pretty big undertaking. All of those components that have to do 
with being a small group pastor. So that's really what we're looking for. What's the word? It's shepherd is what I want. Remember we said I'm an apostolic and Bo is prophetic and David's evangelistic and Penny's a teacher. We don't have someone whose primary gift is to shepherd, and we need that. And so that's really what we're looking for is someone who loves people and loves to pull, who notices people and loves pulling people in and helping them find a spot in the family. I, if you've been to a welcome reception, you've heard me say I'm much more concerned about people being good citizens of the kingdom of God than good members of Stonebridge. And that's a great bumper sticker, but people are people are looking for a church home and they're looking for a church family and we need someone whose job is to help people become good members at Stonebridge if that's what they want and to be fully functioning members at this church if that's what they're looking for. And so that back half of the process is really my wheelhouse, and all of those things in that box underneath are things that I currently do and will continue to do. We just, we're looking for somebody who can handle the front half. Y'all have heard me talk before, uh, strength finders language. There's 34 strengths. My 34th so is includer. That's my biggest weakness, and that, that's what we need. We need somebody who does this. Because I, it's not, I don't. I tend to repel people, not pull them in. So, um, so that's what we need. Yes, Aaron? Full time. So it's a full time job. Um, somebody, I, we're not looking for someone who, uh, people, somebody asked the other day, they have to, somebody have to be ordained. No, we're not looking for someone who's, been ordained. I, I don't necessarily even care if it's somebody who has previous experience on a church staff. We're look, really looking for this heart, this shepherd's heart, um, and we can kind of we can help with the rest of that stuff. Actually, in our network, local churches ordain, and so if it, it's a pastoral role, we would take responsibility for doing that. So, not looking for seminary training or anything like that. I would like, like someone who can speak from the front, who's not. Uh, intimidated by public speaking, uh, maybe not necessarily on Sunday mornings, but someone who's comfortable leading a mid-sized group from the front. That might be the only thing that's not clear from the job description. Uh, I, that's pretty important to me. Um, but other than that, when you think, when you hear the word shepherd or pastor, that's what I want in the classic sense. So who has questions or input on this? Yes. Uh, I, doesn't matter, either, male or female. It's fine with me. Huh? Fourteen? Over fourteen? Yeah. Go ahead, Tim, and then Ward. Pastor of connections might be a bit too trendy for us, but maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You have to start wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> Put moose in my hair. It's good. That's that is the heart of it, though. It's connecting people to the body. Ward. Yes. Casting lots. No, not hey, I know a guy. So the 
So the way there, there, that's that's good. I'm glad you think so highly of us. So what we'll do is we will post the job, and it will have a real job description typed up on letterhead, real job description with qualifications. Then we will take the hope, again, if it seems good to the Holy Spirit and the body, have this out by um, end of January, beginning of February, give people a month to apply. So if you know somebody, you can forward it to them, and they can reach out to us. If you want to apply, then you can apply Internal, external candidates is fine. Uh, we'll take a month to receive applications, and then we will have a team that will include our administrative elders, Scott, Matt, Les, our, some of, at least some of our staff. And we may bring in a couple of other people who can help kind of work through the interviewing process. So there will be a team. It's not solely my decision, and it's not this is David's buddy, and so he's going to get the job at all. So it will be as formal as Anything that we do, I guess. Yes, we need a hugger. That can help you. We need a hugger. That can help you know if you know somebody who would be the right job for. Other questions about the job or the, the process? Anything else? Yeah, Yoshi. Um, well, we don't, again, we don't necessarily do anything fast, so I'd rather be right than fast. My hope would be maybe sometime in April we could have somebody. So small groups, Bo is running small groups for this semester, and that really starts this Sunday. And so he'll carry this semester, and the small groups don't really kick off again until late August, early September. So we've got some time to get somebody in place before they kind of that. And that's also when we actually have a lot of new people come towards the late fall or early early fall late summer. So that would be my kind of worst case scenario or my is to bring somebody in that late. Hopefully before that though. What else? Yes, Rhonda. Uh, it's it's open. I mean, most of the I'm trying to I'm looking around most of the people on our staff were on, in our church before, but David was someone who came from, from outside. So we have done external hires before. If, that, if that's the best person for the job, then that would be fine. Who else? Questions about the process or the job? So on Monday night, somebody asked if we if we could actually afford this, and we can. So uh, without, and it's not a, from my understanding, it's not a stretch. The um, administrative elders worked it into the budget for this year, and it didn't. It's not an issue. So we will be able to afford it as long as y'all keep giving. What else? Yes. Yeah, I would say probably the only thing that would change is if we add anybody other than that administrative elders and the staff into the decision-making loop. I think that's probably the biggest question at this point. 
And some of it depends on the number of people who apply. If 20 people apply, we won't interview all 20 of them. I, I wouldn't imagine. Yes? So obviously I'm not answering it well. No. So the current administrative elders, Scott Williford, Les Saunders, Matt Gordon, and our staff right now, that is the hiring group. And we may bring in another person or two who adds value in that process, someone with experience with interviews or experience in hiring. That, to me, that would be the only addition that we would make. So I would not look to that new group to do this. That's one of the reasons for the continuity with the existing administrative elders. Yes. What else? Nothing? No, this is not a church planter role. If you are interested in church planting, we have a role, and we have, we've budgeted for that as well, but that's not what this is. This is somebody who will be here and helping people connect here. What else? Okay. I'm going to pray. We're done. Yes, one more question. You're good. Come on. Uh, ask that in a different way. Yes. I mean, obviously, we could, skills can be taught for sure. Um, we would look for, I would look for somebody with a shepherd's heart would be the primary qualification, someone who's wired that way. But I would expect that there's some track record for whoever it is, that they have some experience connecting with people, uh, helping people. You know, you think about a shepherd, someone who can maybe meet one-on-one with somebody, help them work through an issue. So I would expect there to be evidence of that, even if they haven't been formally trained, that there would be evidence of that heart and those gifts in their past. Yes. Hopefully by the beginning of February into January, somewhere there, 10 days-ish. Bulletin board. Where are we posting? We'll put it in our email newsletter so you can have it electronically and send it wherever you want, and that's probably it. I just used posting because I thought that was a technical term. No. I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know how to say this in a way that wouldn't discourage people. I would not necessarily go cold calling for trying to find this. So I'm fine for people to come from outside, but uh, it's nice if they, I would rather you call them and say apply for this job than for, I'm not going to call Asbury Seminary and say we have a position. Thank you for clarifying that. What else? Okay, I'm going to pray. God, thanks for this um, group. I thank you for the, for the body and the way that you speak. And for me, I pray that you would clarify and continue to clarify um, based on this input what you're saying to us. And we would all be able to say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do these things. Anytime there's change, there's an opportunity for divisiveness and division, and I don't want any of that. 
and I don't think you do either. We have a, we have a track record of eight years um, of, of really of harmony around all major decisions, and I want that to continue. So if for whatever reason we're walking down the wrong road, either with this leadership shift or with this position, then I pray that you would convict us strongly. Um, I'm asking you to do that. Save us from ourselves. If this is good, then I pray that it would, it would, we would all have a sense of peace. This is the right thing, even if there's maybe a bit of nervousness about change, there'd be peace. This is the right thing. God, I pray as we walk through seemingly this process for this leadership team that you would highlight who are the men and women who you're calling to provide leadership in this church. And as we move ahead, hopefully with this new position, that you would plant somebody here uh, who would do a great job at helping people connect in uh, with the Stonebridge family. So bless every man and woman in this room. God, I pray that you would continue to speak to them. I pray that you would reveal to them how you've wired them. Are they apostolic or prophetic or evangelistic? What's the way that you've wired them? And how do they best use that gift to glorify you and to bless others? In Jesus' name. Amen.